Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Lynn Zhou to our show. Dr. Zhou is the president of Bates Technical College in Tacoma, Washington. Hi, Lynn. I'm glad to have you on our podcast today. Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me. So can you tell me about Bates Technical College and why students select your institution? Uh, sure. So Bates Technical College is one of the 34 community and the technical colleges uh, in Washington state. And we are also one of the five technical colleges. Um, we offer a lot of uh, different career technical programs, um, really focusing on hands-on experience for our students. And uh, you know, students come to us because we have quality education and uh, our faculty, they come from the industry. They have so many years of experiences. They know exactly what's out there, what we need to prepare for our students once they graduate. And so, you know, that's, I think that's the main reason students want to come to base. But uh, uh, also we have a very unique uh, 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 program or school called technical high school. So students mm -hmm. can come to base to earn their high school diploma as well as a two year degree, as long as they're, um, not 21 years old yet, everything is free. So that's a great way for uh, young students, high school students, when they like to do hands-on, get their hands dirty, just come to base. They can get, again, the diploma and the degree at the same time. Uh, we also have four child care centers on campus. So that child care centers provide training opportunities for our early childhood education program students, as well as the services for our employees and students. And the one last thing I want to mention is we are very unique because we have a public TV station uh, that we own. And we have um, our broadcasting product, uh, production program students and the digital media students can go um, work there as uh, students or take the internship opportunities. So we have so many unique um, things happening at the base and that, that make us very attractive to potential students. You know, I talk to a lot of two-year deans across the country and you have a couple of things that, that no, other, no other deans or presidents have mentioned before. So that's really interesting. The other thing is uh, the, the high school Diploma, so that that's not a that's not like the old GED. That's really basically it is a real, yeah. It is a real high school diploma. Oh, that's that's excellent. That's uh, I wish more. I wish more two year schools would do something like it. That's talking about meeting the needs of your community. What a great idea! You know, um, I just come back from our commencement recording. Unfortunately, we cannot have an in person commencement today. But every year. I know I have graduates, they are 17 or 18 or 19 years old with their associate degree from base technical college and a deep high school, a high school diploma, which is always exciting. That and is about so with their age, how much potential they can continue to explore. 
So what's new at Bates Technical College for 2021-2022? What do you, you know, new programs, new facilities, new services? Well, one very exciting thing happening at the base is we are uh, at the end of completing the construction of our Center for Allied Health Science. So that is a new building um, we are aiming for Arabian cutting events in October. So the programs will be able to start in this new beautiful building in winter 2022. And we also have a fire services training center um, on the line to be um, receiving funding from the state to have a construction. Um, you know, at this point, we are still waiting for the budget. But if we are not able to secure the money this year for some construction, we will be able to do that in the next two years, which is also exciting. Um, in terms of the programs, we always trying to identify new associate degree, baccalaureate degree, and the short certificate programs as well. You know, the deans work very closely with our vice president of instruction to identify, you know, what we can do. Of course, we cannot just do it by the administration. We work with our faculty asking them, and we also check with our program advisory committee. So there will be some new programs coming support or outlet health um, area and then maybe some new programs or expanding some programs in construction related programs and in terms of services we are still in this pandemic uh, so we uh, our student services department established the virtual office um, to making sure students can log in to a zoom meeting asking questions but at the same time, we are expanding our in-person services on campus. So for some students, they may not feel comfortable uh, or they may not have the technology to con contact us um, virtually, they can still come on, uh, on campus in person. That's good. So I understand that you are the college's first female president and, and also the first female Chinese immigrant to serve as president at a public two-year college in Washington state. So can you talk a little bit about yourself and the path that led you to your current position as the president of Bates Technical College? Dave, that is a long story. <laughs> well, I'm all ears because I think it's extremely interesting. So, Okay. So you know, I'm, first, I'm very proud of being the first uh, female president at this uh, great college in Washington state. Um, so my husband and I, we immigrated to the US back in 1999. My parents-in-law, they applied the green card for us. When we first come to the US, I couldn't speak English, uh, couldn't understand a word. I did learn English in school, in colleges in China, never practiced. So it was very, very difficult for me to think about start a new life in another country. So I went to a college in Washington state, become a ESL student there. Had no idea what I could do because of my English level. Although I wanted to work in big businesses like what I used to do in China, but I know I couldn't handle anything at the, at the time. So just trying to learn more English, I get, I get into a, a, a computer program at the college. 
And then from there, um, I was very, very fortunate. The college looking for a computer support staff. I applied the job, I got the job. I was told, even though my English was not perfect, but my faculty and others noticed I was always there trying to help others with my limited English. So I got the first job. And then I thought, well, I just need to continue to learn English to improve my English. And I love working for a business. So I started my MBA in project management with City uh, University of Seattle. I love project management so much because you know, I still use the, uh, the knowledge I gained from my program today. So after that, there were more opportunities opened at the college. So I, I become the manager of continuing education, then associate dean, uh, director. But until one day I become the associate dean, I had the opportunity to work with students. And uh, I just couldn't forget the experiences, um, the interactions I had with those students because they turned me into a leader in higher education because I didn't know I was able to help others. I, I was able to impact other lives um, as associate dean of a college. So at that moment, I thought, well, you know, I like to do this. I wanted to use my own story. I wanted to be able to help more people. Uh, so I started my PhD uh, program with Oregon State University. And then, you know, just from there, I decided to look into other opportunities. I really love my first job because I was a student there. Then I become a classified employee, then become associate dean. But then I come to base technical college in 2013 become Dean of Instruction, um, manage the different program, then become Executive Dean, Vice President of Student Services, then become Dean, uh, President of the college. I'm just thinking about my past. Um, it is unique, but not unique. Why I say it's unique is because I really think I'm a good example of how education works for everyone. Um, and as an ESL student, then a PhD graduate from a classified employee to um, the president of a college, it's all happened in less than 20 years. Yeah. Um, but what I said is not unique is that's what we do at community technical colleges. If I can um, achieve this, this level of success, Although I don't feel I, you know, I don't consider I'm, I, I, I achieved too much, but I'm just saying everybody can if you want to work hard, if you are willing to, to learn, to continue to try. So that's why I, I love my job. I would, uh, I have to admit, there are days I felt, oh my God, why I'm doing this? But, you know, I'm, I, I, I know I'm here for my students and I truly believe, uh, you know, what we do every single day as a college, you know, um, classified employee or administration, like, or the president today. 
Yeah, what a great example you showing them. If you if you work hard, anybody can achieve anything. That's really cool. Um, so, what's been some of the biggest life lessons you have learned that you believe has helped you as an academic leader? And what advice can you give new college presidents? Well, I I I truly believe being a good listener is key. Is very very important. Um, you know, because I was an employee myself. I mean, when I said the employee, I mean, I have my supervisors and uh, I have, I do whatever my supervisors tell me to do. But sometimes I want my supervisor knows uh, to know what my challenges are, what my struggles are. So my supervisor can better help me, support me. The problem is we are all very busy. We are all busy people. <laughs> Um, so, so, you know, sometimes as administrators, we forget we need to slow down, we need to take a pause, we need to sit down asking people, how are you doing? What, what's been bothering you? What I can do to help you? So um, what, I, what I like to do when before the pandemic was I like to walk around the campus. And I did this when I was a dean, I did this as a vice president and as a president. Um, what I do is I just walk into people's office or classroom, just say, hi, how are you? And maybe spend five to 10 minutes. But those five to 10 minutes, um, you let people know you, you are available for them. It doesn't matter. You're saying, yes, I have open door policy. But how many people want to come to the third floor, going through your executive assistant, and tell your assistant why they want to meet with you while Lynn may not be available because she's on, a, on the phone or with somebody already. So when you walk to others, when you are there for them, um, you, you really make, I, I, my hope is to make others believe I'm there for them. I'm not just saying I'm available for you. So being a good listener is very, very important. And then uh, of course, I'm a person, I rely on data to make decisions. I collect the information. I ask as much as um, feedback as possible. And then I make a decision, but the decision never based on, well, I think it's great. No, I need to have evidence to support my decision. Um, so my, my best advice to you know, new college presidents or deans is spend your time to be with people. And again, before the pandemic, I, I believe I scheduled like every Tuesday, I have like afternoon couple of hours, so do not uh, schedule any meetings. That's the time for me to walk around. You know, that's really interesting because when I look back in my career, not even as a dean, but even as a faculty member that I always had access to, to deans or chancellors, they, they always seemed to have an open door policy. I always felt I could walk in the door, but I remember when they walked in my door, that kind of changed some stuff around and it always made it seem a little bit more personal. It seemed like there was more of an effort to come down and just check on me. So I, I appreciate yeah. that. That's an excellent, excellent idea for new academic leaders. Um, Great. Who's been the biggest influence in your career? I have to say that's my husband. Oh. Because, <laughs> um, of course, I have so many mentors, great people in my life. But uh, when I think about 
the 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 way I can become a college president, the first person I have to thank is my husband. He is a software developer, very, very smart. Um, and when we first come to the country, he was the one get a job right away supporting me. And that, you know, it's not only for me to think about, I have a home, I don't have to worry a lot, but he is the one really uh, sees my potential when I wasn't able to see it. He is the one always encourage me, always tells me, Lin, you can do it. And uh, why don't you try it? When I was frustrated, he would just calm me down and uh, you know, let me, let me have that kind of build up that confidence. Um, and he is also a great teacher. Although sometimes I wish I, he could just give me the answer instead of telling me how to get there when I took some computer classes. But really, um, I mean, he is a great team member. He's a best friend and he is the one I know I can always rely on him. And especially when some days I really felt blue, he would be able to tell me, Lin, look how much you have accomplished. And yes, you can do more. So it, you know, honestly, the reason I started my PhD program is really he felt I was able to do it. I didn't believe I could do it, but he said, why don't you give it a try? And then when I started to, you know, start my program, I knew I, I was able to. But, you know, he's the one always sees the potential of me. Having support of home, that's probably that's that's a wonderful idea too. And and to be honest. You're the first one who's ever listed a spouse <laughs> for that question. So you get so you get five extra points no matter what. <laughs> Great, thank you. I'm a, I, I, I have a very loving family. My parents, my husband, my brother, my sister. I mean, everyone. I know if I need anything, they will do whatever for me. So that's the that's the safe environment I know I have. So yeah, that's I I'm willing to try. I'm willing to fail because I know I have people behind me. Yeah, we we tell you know academic leaders tell parents all all the time or or siblings all the time as far as they make a difference in a student's life and and I think it's just a, a great point that you're you're bringing out on this on this interview. So thank thanks for bringing that up. Um, let's change subjects here. Let's talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion on college campuses. So. From your perspective, tell me what you think can be done today on today's college campuses to help with these endeavors. Well, I think first we need to be willing to have a conversation on this topic. Um, you know, we we want to everybody wants to have an equitable college for people who study and work, and at you know so they can focus on their professional development and we you know with all of the opportunities but we have to start the conversation on why we need to address the equity and the inclusion gap and we also need to know equity is 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 a priority it's the priority and we want to do it intentionally to help the campus move to you know the the right direction and this work is not optional we, we, every college, I mean, when I think about the base, we do have a very diverse campus and we need to look at our retention and the completion rate. And based on that rate, we need to take, you know, um, actions 
we need to ask ourselves very difficult questions. You know, why, why this is important. And we don't want to wait until students come to us. And we need to do this before, you know, they show up, showed up and saying, I need help and nobody's here for me. So what we need to do is we really look in, we need to look into every programs. We need to look into which programs attract students. And uh, one thing I, I believe is there are some students, for example, maybe the first generation of college students, they may not even know how to uh, decide which program to enroll because they are not familiar with those programs or they may just have a, um, idea that some programs are just not for me because you know everybody wants to work for Microsoft but I never had a computer at home I don't know if I can handle it so that's what we need to do as a college we need to present all the choices to students especially for those underrepresented underserved students and bring leaders, bring mentors to the program to guide those students, just like my husband did to me, to build confidence in them and really to help them. Um, and then, uh, you know, with the data we collect with each program, each um, faculty, what kind of students have been historically enrolled and what's the numbers in the, in the state in the nation that we can really you know uh, adjust i think those are the things we should do um that's why we need the data and uh you know again with a strategic plan um accreditation we we just need to really look into what we do with different student populations and once we see the gap then we need to come come up with plans you know, whether we need to hire, you know, the same, um, uh, the person with a similar background to help those students to reach out to them, or we just have um, different curriculum or teaching plans for them uh, to help them succeed in the college setting. So again, we need to really look, use data, um, and uh, to show the students' retention and the completion rate for us to um, really uh, move forward. So when I look at um, Bates Technical College's webpage, I, I see that you offer nine state-approved apprenticeship programs. Can you talk about those apprenticeship programs you offer? Yes. So as a technical college, I really believe it's our responsibility to provide high quality workforce for our industries and our states or in our, for our country. So we work closely with the unions, with the JATCs to train apprentices, you know, very successfully with uh, Pipe Trees, Seattle Pipe Trees Union. Uh, we have a very strong fire services uh, training uh, program in the state. It's very unique. And of course we have, you know, like you mentioned the nine of them. And the one thing we want to do is we don't want just um, prepare our uh, apprentices for them to be able to do their job. We also develop the associate degree in apprentices studies. 
the the goal is to help those apprentices one day they may want to become a supervisor, may be uh, may want to become a manager um, in their union or in their industry. So what they need to, to do is they need to they can just come back to our college or take the you know uh, gen, general education academic classes from only places and uh, receive associate degree. So that's what we, we like to do. And I again as a technical college, I really believe that is one part of our mission to support our unions and the industries. Yeah, I don't think I've seen uh, any other college offer an apprenticeship studies program for, for, I guess, supervisors or inspectors that would want to go into that. So that's an interesting thing. I'm going to probably bother you in the next couple of years to find out how that program's going. Um, no, please do. Please do. <laughs> how do you see two-year education evolving over the next five years to meet the needs of workforce development and industry? Well, you know, there are several trends we are seeing really, you know, tell us there is a need for reskilling and upskilling the workforce. With the technology change, especially, you know, in the increased automation um, in the industries, as well as the pandemic, which is not new to all of us. Um, you know, there are so many industries get a big impact because of pandemic and automation, for example, office support uh, for the services, the customer services. So there will be um, a big need when this pandemic is over. We hope there is an end of day. So we need to really um, help train and retrain some of the encumbered workers. And also uh, with the new technology, um, we see that, uh, I mean, also there is an aging uh, workforce, I think in Washington state, but I, I, I would see it's in the nation. So the high retirement rate is coming up. Um, so we need to really focus on uh, preparing workforce to fill this big gap when those years of experiences are retiring. So I see both, you know, retraining uh, upskills um, and uh, reskills, uh, upskilling and reskilling the workforce, but also um, prepare the workforce for the upcoming retirement um, workforce. So what do your advisory boards tell you right now as far as what they may need retooling in? In other words, as far as what, what do you think industry or business is going to ask you to do over the next few years? Um, I, I think technology. I think there are a lot of um, automation in technology, mm -hmm. not only in computer science, but also in health care, advanced manufacturing. Um, so there are a lot of automation we need to really um, needs to start to look into. Uh, we as at base technical college we have a robotics program. Mm. The instructor is really looking into, you know, what's the what's the what's new out there, and uh, we need to update our um, curric uh, curriculum and the program of study to reflect that kind of training. And also, um, especially in computer science, now we are talking about as a technical college, you can we produce 
um, a qualified programmer, maybe our students need to take a four-year degree to learn more, especially in some new computer languages. But uh, with the automation, we can prepare students to write short scripts, may not be a big product at the end of the day, but our students can really build those small short scripts as part of the, uh, the, uh, the final product. So um, I think that that's something we have to focus on and we need to work closely with our industry. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things at your institution? Well, first thing as every other new president, I have to build a good team together. And uh, a team, we can relate on each other, we can learn from each other. Um, and uh, you know, we share the same vision and the same goals so we can work together on the same page all the time. But as, as a leader, I think I mentioned earlier, being available, uh, talk with others, talk, um, talk to faculty, talk to um, staff, community members, students. Um, I have a regular meeting with the student leadership. Um, right after our meeting today, I have, that's, that's my meeting with my ASG, <clears throat> student ASG leadership. So share with them, what is going on and then asking them what kind of burning issues they are having. And then, you know, I can better um, know what is going on there. So it's important to have, to have reports uh, come to my office all the time telling me, Lin, we need this, we need that. But it's also important for me to go out to talk to the people, um, you know, on the field. So that's how I think is the best way to stay on top of things at my college. So is there any, has there been any surprises over the past six months that actually ended up on a positive note for you? Uh, yes, as a technical college, many of our students, um, I consider they, they felt they just come here to learn hands-on experience. So technology or teaching online or learning online is something we couldn't even imagine in the past. But during this pandemic, our faculty, they just did an excellent job quickly switching from face-to-face to e-learning to, e to Canvas. So students also need to learn how to, you know, learn their skills online. So you know, I, I did have concerns about how the quality we are looking for, but here is some uh, survey results I'd like to share with you. So we, our college asked the students to fill out a post-COVID um, survey. And uh, there are some numbers I can compare with the suddenly online, a national survey of undergraduate during the COVID-19 pandemic. So there is a national survey. We have some similar questions. So one question I like, uh, one answer I'd like to share is uh, very satisfied with the learning virtually. So base, we have over 50% of the response saying very satisfied where the national survey result is under 20%. 
And also there is a, a question about feeling included as a member of the course. You know, when you're just learning at home by yourself, it is hard to have that kind of feeling. But at the base, our answer is more than 60% or students felt, you know, I do feel I'm a member of the course. And the, the national number is about 12%. So 60% compared to 12%. The last one I like to share is opportunities to collaborate with other students. So we are again talking about during this pandemic, almost 50% of our students uh, saying, yes, I have the opportunities to collaborate with other students. Well, at the national number is just a little over 10%. So that tells me our faculty, our staff are doing great job to supporting our students even during this uh, pandemic. And uh, you know, yes, I had a concern because uh, online teaching is not something we were really ready to do, but it was a big surprise. And uh, I'm very, very happy to see those results. Yeah, congratulations. And of course, congratulations to the faculty for pulling in those type of numbers. That's, that's very impressive. Yeah, you know, that's why I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> So here's my last question, and it's a hypothetical. So if you had some extra budget money today, mm -hmm. how would you spend it? I, I come in the door and say, it's not even attached to a grant. It's just here's some cash. Spend it on however you want to. Where would you spend this it? Is, so this is what I like to do. After I become a college president, the first year, actually after one month I become college president, I was told, Lynn, we need to cut $1.8 million budget. So that was my welcome gift. And we handled it. Then I thought, well, next year we will be great. In July uh, 2019, we experienced a cyber attack. Oops, okay, we, let's just handle it. And then of course, 2020, we got pandemic. So if I have those extra money, what I like to do is depends on how much we have. If I have a lot, first I like to send a gift card to every single employees I have. Then I will use some of the money to have a big party for my staff and the students. That's what I really, really want to do. <laughs> One day I was like, what if I can win a lottery? That's what I will do. Because when you mention the cash, I guess I don't have to follow right. the state not, rule. <laughs> not attached. What a so great answer. <laughs> that's what I like to do. <laughs> I, I, I want to tell some other presidents that's what they should do with extra money just to watch the response from <laughs> What a great answer. But, you know, I, I, I am a rule follower. You didn't tell me it's just a cash. I, right. So I thought, well, I don't have to follow the state rule. I'll just do this. Maybe a rich person would come to me after, you know, this person hears our 
conversation today, then this person would say, hey, Lin, here is $2 million. Do whatever you want to do. That's what I will do. When I have a party, Dave, I will invite you. I want to make sure you're there for us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'd like to get out and see your campus one day. So when oh, my wife and I are passing through, I'm going to call you up. I'd like to come out and see it. You got some interesting programs and it sure seems like as a president, you are absolutely student-centered, it seems like, and of course, faculty-centered too. It seems like you're working really hard to take care of, uh, of as your, your campus almost as a community, so. Well, I, I truly believe first, I was the one um, received all of this kind of support so I can be who I am today. And it is my responsibility to do the same for others. Otherwise, I shouldn't be in this business. So that's what I truly believe. Well, and thanks so much for being on the show. I, I absolutely enjoyed our conversation today. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me. If there's anything else I can do for you or for Aline Deans out there who are listening to us, I would be happy to you know, provide my support. And of course, Aline time, when you come to Washington State, please make sure, let me know, and I will give you a tour. Thank you. Well, that ends today's show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.